0: Hello there, everyone. Welcome in to a Thursday night episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the College Basketball Edition. I am your affable host, AJ Hoffman. He is my loyal co-host, Griffin Warner. Griffin, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you are friendly, good-natured, and easy to talk to, AJ. So I think affable is uh, it fits pretty well.
0: Thank you. I don't. Mackenzie may disagree. He's, he's uh, down the line, but that you know he works with me every day. So that's probably a different story. Uh, all right, let's get into it. And normally I address our best bets first thing. I'm holding out a little bit because my best bet is currently in action with two minutes to go in the sports match. So I will tell you that Griffin's best bet from last week was a walkthrough winner, easy peasy, with Central Florida. They won by one million points. And uh, I think you covered all numbers yesterday. Uh, Any and all. And uh, so we are 100% right now. That may change by somewhere between zero and 50% uh, no, no, in the no. next two minutes. But we are currently 100%. So we, I will get you an update when it's time for Best Bets in this podcast. But for now, let's take a look at the big games this weekend. And all four matchups are Saturday games, which means there's a really good looking Saturday card. And let's start with, I I think, maybe the marquee game uh, in the Big 12. And we will go with the Kansas Jayhawks and the Baylor Bears. And I was surprised. I I, like to pull back the curtain a little bit. uh, I tell Griffin, hey, these are the games that we want to go over. And early when we started this podcast, I would send him my projected lines first thing and he said hey don't do that i want to figure out what i think the line would be without that outside influence and then he sends me what he thinks the lines are and we had some discrepancies this time usually there's like like we might be a point off here or there this one we've got some big discrepancies not this game i mean this game we have a discrepancy also but we've got some uh we've got some bigger ones let's just say that but if you look at this Kansas Baylor matchup I think we're going to go ahead and use a working number of Kansas – or excuse me, of Baylor minus two. And KenPomeroy.com – actually, it's KenPom.com. He projects this at Baylor minus four. I thought that was too high. You you projected Baylor, Kansas as a pick. Uh, Does that mean that if you are seeing – you know, you're seeing plus points here with the Jayhawks that you would be on board.
1: Potentially. Um, and and yes, uh, what AJ said is true. I like to be under the influence of myself when I'm making lines, not under the influence of others. Um, and I was thinking pick them based on trying to figure out what the heck this Baylor team is of late. Um, had a good win, though, in overtime against oklahoma state which i think could have gone either way it was back and forth throughout is that a good win uh on the road in the big 12 where there's not really any gimmies i will say yes um I mean, I guess it's like a kind of oklahoma state's super
0: bowl since they don't have a tournament like that's a, it was a big deal for them but man that's it's not a great oklahoma state team uh and maybe you could say like i, I don't know that their last Three games, well, two of their last three games matter a little bit more. Kansas and Texas are, are big games for them, but I, I was a little, I was disappointed that that was the uh, the showing from Baylor. I'm starting to have questions about Baylor.
1: Yeah, I think I think the questions are valid. Um, Baylor without uh, Everyday John uh, inside are not the same team. They lost so much from last year's like perfect team, basically. Um, You know, I'm just I feel like there's a lot more questions that are coming up about Baylor as the season goes on. And that's usually you want to go the other way and be like, yeah, I'm sure about this team. And this is what they're good at. They seem very three point reliant. I mean, James Akinjo isn't a great three point shooter at point guard. He's pretty slippery and tough to stay in front of and did hit the game winner at Oklahoma State. Uh, But just to circle back to the the number, I mean, I'm definitely interested in Kansas as an underdog here. So I am certain I've lost back in the Jayhawks in this situation. And Waco gets pretty lit for Texas and Kansas and has really emerged as a pretty good home court advantage in the Big 12. Yeah, the two toughest games
0: that Kansas has played on the road, well, I shouldn't say the two toughest games, the two toughest opponents that they've played on the road, at least per analytics, are Texas Tech and Texas, and those happen to be the two losses that they've taken in big 12 play, although the Texas game was very tight. Uh, Texas tech game was not particularly tight, although that was, I mean, hell we're going on like almost two months ago since that game happened. So uh, obviously Kansas, one of those teams, like when you've got a home court advantage, like Kansas has, that is elite. It means you're probably, you're you're probably a little overpriced on the road. Um, so yeah, I, I'm curious how, where this line comes out. First of all, but the things that Baylor did really well in that first game, and uh, in, in th- that was an eighty three fifty nine Kansas win. The things that Baylor did well in that game, if if you want to like r- dig really deep, I, I I guess they won the turnover
1: battle. Um, which they showed up like they it, got they, there and didn't to the forget state. their uniforms. Is that? Okay. Uh, but they were
0: 14 of 44 from two point, like for ins- inside three point range. 14 of 44. James Akinjo had an O rating in that game of 15. He was O for 11 from the field with three turnovers. That ain't good, friends. They put the clamps on him and. You know, it was one of those games, and I, it, McCormick wasn't great by any stretch. Uh, he he only had nine points, and seven of them were from free throws. But defensively, this game was one way traffic. Baylor had no answer for Kansas in, in general. Uh, Jalen Wilson was six of six from two, and it, they uh, Christian Braun had a big game. So the wings really kind of ate them up. Um, it, it was a, a a good Mitch Lightfoot showing, which I know there's good and bad Mitch Lightfoot showings, and Abaji was excellent. Um, so th- there, those things are, I, I guess, those are sustainable things for Baylor and or for Kansas. And last year, this Baylor team felt like they were better defensively than the analytics maybe gave them credit for. Like, they felt like they were a top 10, 15 defense, and the analytics had them in the 20s. This year, I think they're – like I should say I I think. I'll pull them up. They're 14 defensively. I feel like that's maybe high. I don't think they're a great defensive team. And against a Kansas team that's got a lot of ways to beat you, and if you pay more attention to the wings, you're going to get beat up inside. And you mentioned – JTT being gone is is just a huge factor for them, even though he's not a, he's not one of their top guys necessarily. He's a glue guy for them. I think defensively they struggle without him. Uh, The fact that they let uh, Texas Tech put up 83 points uh, is alarming because Texas tech's not like they're not a team that goes around putting up 83 points on anybody. So I, I feel like if I, if I had to look at a side here, it's probably Kansas. Um, I, I think that they are, I think they're the overall better team right now.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think that's uh, a stretch. I agree completely. I think there's a major hole inside for Baylor Flo Thompson can, can fill in and, and, but was clearly like a second choice, uh, Big or center for the this Baylor team, and as you mentioned, I, I think you're you're right, spot on. The defense is nowhere near as good as it was last year because it really locked people down. When you have a point guard like Davion Mitchell, who's nicknamed Off Night because he puts his opponent every time he's on the court, and they ha- end up having an Off Night. Um, it's just, I don't see that on this team this year and Baylor to me really looks like a team that's going to rely on three point shooting. Maybe that works. And that certainly makes me have a little bit more pause, um, backing a team like Kansas on the road. But to, to be frank, Kansas is the biggest game for every team they're playing when they go to visit another gym. So um, Kansas are nothing for me. Uh, hope that this number gets as big as, as we're talking or Ken Palm has or Bart Torvik has 3.9 as well. So that, that seems to be the neighborhood that it is. And it's going to be hard for me to stay away from uh, from KU getting a possession if, if that's the case.
0: All right, let's get down to the SEC. We got a couple of games in the SEC, and this is maybe our biggest discrepancy all year long on a line. Uh you say K- Kentucky at Arkansas is the game we're looking at. Ken Palm has this minus three for Kentucky. Your projection was Arkansas minus two. I was thinking it'd probably be about. I think I thought Kentucky would be about minus a point and a half, maybe minus two. Uh, But you think Arkansas should be favored. Go ahead and make your case because it makes me sound like it makes it feel like if you, if this is the case, if we're looking at Kentucky laying three, you may like the hogs here.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely would in that situation. And I will preface this by saying I'm not a variance player. So I'm not strictly making lines and saying, okay, I'm two points off here. This is a play. This is worth two units, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But I am a lot of why I make lines is try to get an idea of what I'm expecting versus what the market is looking for. And I don't have like a a formula per se, but I definitely factor in home court and and what I kind of expect, but especially in this one. I'm I'm also factoring some injury issues for, for Kentucky, and I think that might explain a little bit why we're five points off or potentially I'm so far away from from where uh, the analytics guys have the number. Um, I'm not sure about Xavier Wheeler nor Ty Ty Washington for this game for, for Kentucky. Um, they've kind of skated by with a, a close non-cover, but victory against LSU last night. Uh, if I'm getting my nights correctly, and then also came from a pretty big deficit at home against uh, Alabama this past weekend. Um, I'm not necessarily a believer in this Kentucky team without those two guards, because I think they're really important. They certainly have done perfectly well without it, though they, I think, lost the Auburn and LSU games on the road earlier in the season. Certainly no major demerits for, for those performances, but I think those, or I guess, when you're missing your two point guards that sometimes play together, I think that's a big problem for what they're trying to do. And I was pretty impressed with Arkansas. Uh, bet, faded them against uh, Florida earlier in this week. Uh, and they were in a, a back-and-forth game. And really, I felt like everything was going Florida's way. Officials, Colin Castleton inside was pretty good. Uh, and I don't really think that Kentucky has an interior scorer that you can really pass the ball to. I think Shibwe is more of a... Uh, impossible to keep off the glass type of player. So where I sit with Arkansas is I'm kind of coming around. I felt like this team, and I think we were spot on with this earlier in the podcast season that they were really disappointing, and then kind of got fat and happy off of some pretty poor SEC teams that they ended up playing. But um, I'm starting to believe a little bit more in the must bus. I think uh, Bud Walton's going to be crazy as Kentucky's the, the biggest ticket. And uh, Bud Walton Arena in Fayetteville is one of the best crowds. Um, when they're when they're hot, it's one of the best places out there. I mean, they haven't lost besides a road game at Alabama since the middle of January. Certainly an easier schedule, and they finished with some tough ones. Home to Kentucky, home to LSU, and at Tennessee. Don't know if you can get much tougher than that uh, in the SEC, but I uh, like the way they've been playing, and I think that they're going to catch Kentucky either with two point guards out, maybe one playing, or maybe both are playing, and they're just in their first game back, and I'm not sure they'll be uh, firing on all cylinders.
0: Yeah, you you may be right, and I, I don't know when those guys are coming back. Obviously, that was the big question. It, it looked like both were, were game-time decisions for LSU. Neither one of them played. Um, my concern is, and I thought my concerns had been kind of – squashed with, with uh, Kentucky on the road. But I remember early in the season, they didn't play many road games. They played one non-conference road game. That was against Notre Dame. They lost. Notre Dame's not very good. Uh, then their their first two, first two decent matchups in SEC play were LSU and Auburn. They lost both of those. Neither one was particularly close. Uh, the LSU score was closer than the game was uh their their early road wins were Vanderbilt and Texas A&M and I didn't really take anything from that but then they they just went in they went into Kansas and stomped Kansas and I said whoa and, and then they followed that up with an Alabama win uh, at Alabama and I was like well and now Al- that Alabama wins looking less and less great by the day because Alabama seems like their wheels may be coming off and then they they lost to Tennessee and that game wasn't particularly competitive on the road so you mentioned what a tough arena Bud Walton is to play in. You're right. I mean, just like we talked about in the last game, every Big Twelve team gives Kansas their best shot. That's the biggest game of the year. Uh, it, in the SEC, it's it's Kentucky. No matter how good everybody else is, Kentucky is the that's the big squad that rolls through. So it's going to be a, a big crowd. You the injury concerns are are valid. Um, I, I'll be curious how the line comes out with them especially because like I said, both at least, you know, these guys aren't telling the truth, but both seemed like they could play, uh, in the last game. So I, I think this is a wait and see what the lineup say. And if, if Kentucky has either one of those guards and the line is closer to your line of, of Arkansas being favorite, I'll probably lean Kentucky. If those guys are out, it's probably a clear stay away for me.
1: Yeah. I think, um, Unfortunately, in this sport, uh, we don't have the doubtfuls, questionables, all that sort of stuff. So good luck with getting, we're we're basically following Twitter accounts that I don't even know who runs some of them that I look for for injuries. Um, So that makes it a lot harder, especially in a COVID year, uh, to do all that sort of stuff. I'm thinking that from my point of view or my perspective, it's probably unlikely that Arkansas will move to a favorite unless both of these guys are out. And I'm almost wondering for value, uh, value's sake, if I'm really hoping that both of them are announced and that they play, and this is their first game back, they're not really up to speed, uh, and that way I can get Arkansas as an underdog. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I think in, in terms of, for anyone listening that, that are considering betting this line, um, I'm definitely... Arkansas only in this one until I see Kentucky's guards that are are healthy and and playing at a level that we expect them to.
0: All right, let's go to the SEC. Or I'll stay in the SEC, I guess. Uh, another huge matchup: Auburn at Tennessee. We'll go ahead and project this one. Man, I, I feel like public is going to to take this line off of this number. This is another; t- these lines are getting tougher and tougher to make as the season goes on. Ken Palm thinks that this is Tennessee minus three. You thought it was Tennessee minus three. Uh, maybe you guys are right. I, I expect it to be closer to Tennessee minus one. Um, but either way, I assume Tennessee is going to be favored at home against this Auburn team. And and as good as Auburn's been, their last two – actually, let's, let's take it back like a, a ways further than that. Their last five or last four road games – loss at Florida, loss at Arkansas in overtime. No real shame in that. Two-point win at Georgia, one-point win at Mizzou. You've got to start saying, uh-oh, is this team good enough to win games on, on the road against a real competition? And, and Tennessee certainly qualifies as real competition.
1: If, if there's like a I'm concerned meter, uh, mine's kind of off the charts with Auburn, especially w- with where they're ranked and that everyone has kind of came on board with them being their, f- their first number one ranking in school history. Um, I haven't really seen a lot that has made me comfortable in Auburn. Uh, like we're, I think eventually going to talk about who we're thinking are going to make runs in the NCAA tournament, looking forward to future podcasts for sure along those lines. Um, I'm pretty worried, and I don't think at this point that I'm really a believer in Auburn like I was earlier in the season. I feel like the hype train has really rolled in, and they're uh, a team that really plays out of control. Sometimes it works really well, and it can certainly uh, hit at home, and they can blow good teams out in Auburn Arena. Um, But on the road, that's a a scary proposition, and as you've kind of laid out – They have not looked good on the road in a while. Um, I don't think that Tennessee is really an offense that I trust after still, I think my eyes are still bleeding from their MSG performance against Texas tech, where they literally couldn't make a three pointer. Um, But they are a different team at home. One of the best home court environments out there. Uh, They love their like noon tip offs where crowds nuts. Other team hasn't woken up. I'm not sure exactly what time this game is, but um, from where I sit, I'm very interested back in Tennessee, especially if they come where uh, they, I think they'd be way too short at minus one because uh, I think they're going to defend. They've got a little bit of a, a rivalry situation with Powell. their like one of their reserve or, or kind of maybe six mans uh, who, who was a, or is an Auburn transfer. Uh, and I just don't know that I believe in Auburn right now. Offensively, I feel like, uh, Smith is taking some steps back. Doesn't really seem like the for sure number one overall pick that people were thinking about uh, earlier in the season. I just, you know, I big game for Bruce Pearl going back to Tennessee for sure. But uh, you know, I, I think any short numbers on Tennessee are something I'm gonna want to gobble up.
0: Is something else to note about Tennessee uh, as Auburn is as, as good as Auburn is, and I, I think they are good. This would probably be the third best home win of the season for Tennessee because they've already beat Kentucky at home. They've already beat Arizona at home. Like they're not going to be overwhelmed by what they see here. So um, this, I, again, I don't know exactly what the number is going to be, but if it's Tennessee giving, you know, a a less than a possession or one possession, I I, I'm with you. Tennessee is the only way I could look in this one.
1: I I mean, I just, I think Auburn is good. I want to make sure that I'm not like saying that they're a fraud or something like that. I just I feel like this doesn't set up well for them, and uh, you know I'm I'm hoping for a short Tennessee number.
0: Auburn's a weird team because like their best players are all front court guys, and it, that's not necessarily an awful thing if your back court guys are really strong too. I mean I guess Gonzaga's two best players are front court guys, but but. It just seems like they've got a a, a a such a balanced attack. This Auburn team, it feels like if they can't get theirs at the rim, things could go awry in a hurry for them. You mentioned that game where they just couldn't make a shot. Um, I, I don't know. I it's a it, this is a, a an interesting game to me. Like I I'm not totally off of Auburn yet, but I'm I'm starting to get where oh, maybe maybe because this is remember this is one of the teams that's been like if you said rank the biggest surprises in college basketball this year auburn's right there uh, they were over 100 to 1 to win the national title coming into the season they're 10 to 1 right now so the that like you said if it, the hype train has gotten to these guys at least the, the the market has gotten the hype train up on these guys so uh we will see how they hold up on the road against a really good vols team that's probably a little undervalued actually all right, let's go out west for our last matchup, and Gonzaga hitting the road at St. Mary's. We're going to say the Zags are about nine-point favorites at the Gales. And for, uh, for anyone who's wondering, the Zags are playing as we record. It's actually halftime. Uh, the Zags are at San Francisco tonight tonight they were 10 point favorites in that game they are up 10 at halftime 52 to 42 so unless there's a miracle we can expect that gonzaga goes into this game looking for an unbeaten wcc season um and if the the you know the trend holds in tonight's game and gonzaga wins this game by double digits they will have won every conference game by double digits so they are a juggernaut. And it's not like the West Coast Conference is a bad conference. I mean, you could argue it's it might be better than the ACC. So this is a, a good conference that Gonzaga is just making look really poor. And one of the teams that they made look really poor early this season were these St. Mary Gales. And that that matchup, which happened, uh, I guess it was just before Valentine's Day, 74-58, Gonzaga win, and it didn't feel particularly close. Gonzaga, 6 of 12 from three. They were 56% on their two-point shots. Uh, and it was a pretty clean game for St. Mary's. Only six turnovers. They, the St. Mary's won the turnover battle, uh, but only two offensive rebounds. And St. Mary's isn't going to offensive rebound a lot. But if you, don't offensive, if you if you've got no offensive rebounding, you, you might be in trouble against this Gonzaga team because they will they will make you pay if you don't if you don't at least keep them honest on that end they'll make you pay in transition. Drew Timmy twenty five points in that first game it seems pretty strong ten of 15, excuse me eleven of sixteen shooting uh, and Chet Holmgren had eleven. What do you think? Matthias Toss was good for them. You know he was strong. It was a. a a solid game for him, solid game for Tommy Kuzi. So they got good games from their the guys that you say you need to get good games from to win, and they really weren't competitive. What can they do different at home in this one?
1: God, I wish I could answer that. Uh I think what we can see from this setup, and it seemed like it was they were hanging around for most of the game. I feel like the um the Score looks a little more lopsided than that game was, though Gonzaga I think led for the last like 30 minutes of the game, so 75% of the final minutes or or whatever they led for. St.
0: Mary's largest lead was two to nothing, Uh, and that's that. That that, and what it tells you is their largest lead was two nothing, and that was at 17:42 in the first half, which means that Gonzaga went two plus minutes without scoring in that game and still won by 16. Uh, if Gonzaga gets off to a good start, St. Mary's might as well fold up their tents early, right?
1: Yeah, I, I don't feel great for the San Francisco backers <laughs> that have only a half of a point to survive in the second half with right yeah, now. Yeah, good luck. Uh, I don't feel great about Gonzaga potentially beating every team in the conference by double digits and then us potentially not even getting double digits here. Um I think the St. Mary's game plan is probably pretty obvious and it's probably exactly what was seen the first time they played Gonzaga, which is to crawl up the floor, to wait four seconds in every inbounds play, to not get a five-second violation, to run this clock as far as you can, and to hope that... The Zags don't shoot well from the perimeter and that you somehow can use your big guys who are, are very big, pretty physical, and they can somehow keep Drew Timmy from scoring at will. The problem is, is that I, it doesn't really seem to me that big teams do much to Drew Timmy and he's just an awesome college scorer. I don't know that he can really jump over a phone book, but um from, from my perspective, I, I think the way you beat a team like Gonzaga is with good guards, and they need to shoot well. Uh, I think Kuzi's been a lot better of a shooter, certainly over his career. Uh, Duke has a shot well this season as well. Uh, I just don't know that I can really find a way. I mean, crowd's going to be nuts, certainly um, at home, and that's going to be a big help. St. Mary's with an easier game heading into the weekend is another big benefit as well. Uh, I just, it's really tough for me to find ways to be like, yeah, I do think St. Mary's is going to hang around here because they're going to try to shorten the, or slow the game down as much as possible. And what that really does to me is it kind of makes their offense, which can sometimes be pretty quiet. Uh, it puts even more pressure on them to hang around. Cause I don't really see a way that they're going to slow down Gonzaga unless Gonzaga just has a really bad night.
0: That's where I'm at. I, I just think, like, I mean, I guess the, the, if you wrote down on paper, how can we stop these guys to, you know, limit the number of possessions that they've got, that's fine. And, and they did about as good of a job as you could in that first game. And Gonzaga only scored 74 points, which is amongst their lowest totals of the season, third lowest. The other two, Texas Tech held them to 69, and Tarleton State held them to 64. Who Tarleton's like one of the slowest teams in the country, so they they did what they could do to hold them to that crawl. The problem is St. Mary's isn't good enough on offense, like to they're not as efficient as Gonzaga. If if you say Gonzaga, you're only going to have this many chances. They're going to be way more efficient offensively than St. Mary's is, and you're right. You know, I you, I would think the best way to beat Gonzaga is size. And, and maybe it is, honestly, uh, because we've seen the games and we talked about both these games on the podcast. Two of my best bets this year were Gonzaga against BYU because I said BYU does not have the size to slow down Gonzaga. And those two games ended up being, what, 30, 30-something point wins for uh, for Gonzaga. St. Mary's stayed in the game with their size. Uh, relatively, 16 points is staying in the game against Gonzaga. Uh, San Francisco in the first game, again, 16 points stayed in the game. Those are the two biggest teams in the conference probably. Uh, and so maybe maybe that's the way to do it. I just don't know that even playing that – executing at that level is even enough. And I think we're being very generous by saying the spread will be nine because Ken Palm says it's going to be seven. Uh, if it is single digits, there is no way I can fade Gonzaga. So it's, uh, it's Gonzaga or pass for me as long as that number is under 10.
1: Yeah. It just, it signals what we're going to deal with in, in the NCAA tournament. I think the days of fading Gonzaga minus eight in the NCAA tournament, just waiting for them to lose, uh, those days are have come and gone. Um, I think if you want to be bigger or or the best way to handle Gonzaga is to have really good bigs. And most of them are playing in the NBA right now. So I don't know how to do it.
0: Okay. Let's get to best bets. uh, And let me give an update. I I tease this. The podcast will go one Oh and one as Louisiana tech minus four lands on the number 8379 poor free throw shooting down the stretch for louisiana tech or we get there but we do not so um that is a a tough one but better than a better than a one and one right one oh and one you take that
1: sounds like a hundred percent to me all i know is if you're going one oh and one every day you are making money and not having any concerns
0: I'll, i'll take it all right let's get to best bets uh you're hell you're coming off a win you get the honors my friend
1: yeah two wins in a row um i i'm i'm feeling good feeling better uh certainly my uh try to play every advantage i thought i had this season is not going great um but i i one I really like on Saturday is uh, probably a little bit off the beaten path, certainly not one that's going to be talked about as the biggest games on the card. But I'm looking at Kansas State as a very slight favorite at home against Iowa State in Big 12 play, uh, as these two teams are duking it out for seeding in the Big 12 tournament to basically stay as far away from Kansas as possible. Um, First matchup Kansas State ended up winning in overtime uh, and really had to fight back from a huge deficit because Iowa State came out of the blocks and made every three pointer they took, which is really not who Iowa State really is as an offense and From where I sit, K-State, they haven't had a really great run in a couple tough losses lately, one in the rivalry game with with KU uh, on Tuesday, and then also losing in overtime at Oklahoma State. But I really like them at home. I feel like the octagon of doom maybe is not the same type of home court advantage that used to be when the teams were better, Uh, but it's a really tough place to play. Iowa State, to me, is a team that relies on ball pressure to really make them who they are. And that's a little bit tougher on the road because you get called for more fouls. Uh, They're a jump shooting team that's going to rely on three point shots. And I feel like or even long twos, which all the analytics people hate. Uh, I just don't believe Iowa State can win this game here. Uh, So any type of number that you can find below three points is what I'm looking for. And it seems like all the projections we were looking at was uh, K-State minus a measly one point so I'm going to lay the the point on the Wildcats as I think they're an underrated offense that can make some shots
0: yeah I actually bet on Iowa State uh yesterday and lost uh because they and really they were lucky to win that game I gave five points at home with them against West Virginia who's a poor road team so good home team poor road team and uh iowa state still couldn't get it done so i hope that they get smashed in this game actually because i'm angry with them but yeah you're right kansas state i mean they are jockeying these two teams for for position in that tournament um but and this is a you're right it's not the same home court that it was but man remember they they the, they beat texas tech they spanked texas tech here early in the season so uh, i do still think it's a good home court advantage and i just mentioned i iowa state's not a team that i care for on the road so uh i, I like your play here i'm going to go with one that man it is going to go against the um the college basketball intelligentsia the all the 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 super sharps are going to say ha ha you big dummy we told you Virginia Tech's awesome, even though I don't think Virginia Tech is awesome. I'm going to go with the Miami Hurricanes, minus also a measly point at home. And Virginia Tech, if you recall, started 2-7 and seven in conference play, and suddenly they're sitting at 9-8. and eight. Back to respectability, right? Not to me, friend. Not a single win in that run was against the top half of the ACC team. So what they have done is gone on a nice tear of smacking around Pitt and Georgia Tech and uh, Clemson and Florida State, uh, who bought, is dreadful, uh, Syracuse. None, none of these wins are impressing me. And the one good team that they played in that – I don't even know how good North Carolina is, but they played North Carolina and got beat handily. This is a team that has not had much success on the road – uh, especially again against good teams, their their conference road wins are Georgia Tech, Pitt, Florida State, NC State. Basically, the line them up the worst teams in the ACC. That's where they're getting their road wins. Miami's there. I, I don't know that Miami's going to be like it's, I've heard people say Miami's a, a live uh, a live team to win the ACC in the tournament. I don't know if I'm going that far, but in a really down ACC they're in that second tier if we say Duke is in a tier by themselves which I think they are Miami's certainly in that second tier they've got it they're they're as good as Notre Dame as good as North Carolina Uh, and I just don't put Virginia Tech on that level so I am looking at at one of the things that jumped off at me is if, if you look at the full season the full season stats say that Virginia Tech's the better defense here In the ACC, that simply hasn't been true. Uh, Miami's the much better defense. Miami turns opponents over at the highest rate in the league. Offensively, they turn turn the ball over the least in the league. Uh, These teams are first and third in the conference in three-point percentage. Virginia Tech, though, 14th defensively against the three. So with extra possessions from turnovers, I'm going to take the team that has proven they can play with the upper crust of the ACC, Miami, who's... You know, already got wins over Wake Forest and Duke and North Carolina. I'm going to take that and and this Virginia Tech team, mind you. Uh, I'll take them at home over a team that just hasn't really established themselves as a team that can compete with the top of this conference. So Miami minus one uh, hosting Virginia Tech will be my best bet. You warned me against, well, not you didn't really warn me against this. You You, you pointed out that the market loves Virginia Tech here.
1: Has all season. Um, that's nothing new. And I mean, getting a bunch of wins about against the bottom of the worst ACC that I can remember in my lifetime. Um, you know, it's it's really nice to win games, though. I'm not sure they're all deserved. And I, I feel like Virginia Tech is a team that is like exactly what the analytics want. They are a, a very heavily reliant on three point shots, but that Ultimately, they're worth more than the two. And uh, for some reason, people have respected them all year. I remember like a really short line against Memphis on a neutral um, early in the year in Brooklyn. And that really hasn't changed. And it hasn't really worked for better, as I got to say, this season. But uh, we'll see. They, they need a lot of wins because they're deep on the bubble or even off of it with that North Carolina loss. So they've got a lot of work to do. Um, and the pressure is never good on bubble teams because most of the time, the bubble teams play themselves off.
0: They were good against the spread early in the season. They started out five and zero against the spread, and then they had a run where they lost like nine of ten ATS, and uh, they're off two straight non covers. I, I I think if the market still loves Virginia Tech, like they they need to have learned by now. So uh, I'm I'm going against all the all those smart folks and just riding with who I think is the better team at home. I, I this line feels weird to me. My like. I think at home, I would think Miami, if if you just said Miami and Virginia tech are equal teams, which I think Miami is better minus one at Miami is just an, an odd number. So my best bet will be Miami minus one. Uh, there you have it friends at next episode. will come out either Sunday or Monday, uh, depending on Griffin's travel plans. He's a man about town, but, uh, <laughs> but the, we're going to do something a little different or well, we'll do what we normally do. But we're going to do something a little special on, on that episode as well. We are going to do a little mini draft, uh, and we will we'll go back and forth and take. What do you think? Five each, Griffin? Does that sound like a fair number? so we'll take five teams each that we think can win the national championship. And we'll give you a couple, a uh, couple pointers on why we think they can. And, uh, and one of us will win and one of us will lose. Well, or I guess there's a potential that neither of us win, which that would really suck. If some, if like we can, if we take the top 10 teams and someone from the field wins, we suck at our job. So, uh, we'll see Griffin. Great episode as always. Thank you, uh, McKenzie, who does a great job in the back. Thanks to you guys for listening. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Tons of great content on this feed. We always appreciate you guys listening. And we will talk to you uh, later on, like I said, Sunday or Monday. Good luck, guys.